something different to stay awake tonight. But um, I love I love testimony. I love testimony time here. I love hearing everybody and uh, how all the ways we can give God credit for the things in our lives. And if I could do anything tonight to help wake us up, is I'd like us to raise our hands, point our uh, point our arms towards heaven. <laughs> And thank God for the church that we have and that he's given us here and he keeps together. And then, and then bring our hands down. Let's thank our pastor for being here. So faithful, so faithful. Hopefully he can stay awake tonight. But um, uh, in all seriousness, uh, I am thankful for your faithfulness. I'm thankful for your faithfulness here. And I see every time, I don't know if this is quite six times yet here. I can't remember. But every time you give me an opportunity to stand up here, I see it as an opportunity that as he does for everybody else in this church, to um, shepherd me and prepare me and help me grow for whatever God has for me in the future. I see everybody fanning themselves, so there we go. Everybody back here, whoo! There. For those of you who need a coat, you can put your second layer on, but... I do. I thank you for the opportunity to come up here and and uh, and and share what God is doing in my life. And as Randy said the other night, the only thing we can do is get together and share what God's doing in our in our hearts. And hopefully, it encourages each other and helps us grow. And I was really excited to hear you talking about just the church coming together and 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 getting our hearts in the right place so that God can prepare us and use us because God's not going to use us unless we get our hearts in the right place. And and um, bow before Christ and, and, and serve him the way that he wants us to so that he can use us the way he wants us to. God has a plan for all of us, and he has a plan for this church. And I was really excited to hear your message this morning about foundations and the importance of foundations. And that's the very first thing that goes down to any building, and, and whether it's on the rock or on the sand. And you made that very clear on the importance of a foundation. And I thought... We had no coordination here. I thought your last line just teed me off perfectly tonight, and you said, now we just have to go out and live it. And that's what I want to talk about tonight. Uh, I thought that just teed me off perfectly. Uh, trying to be more professional up here, I did come up with the title uh, of tonight's message. Calling, and I'm calling it, Know God More Closely. So you've got a foundation, you've got a rock foundation, you've, you've made a choice for Christ, uh, or maybe you haven't yet, but you're you're considering the considering that um, once you have that rock foundation we need to know we need to think about we need to grow and know God more closely and this may not be a surprise to you guys but the general consensus I get is I talk to a lot of people um, and I and generally because of where I'm at in the community I do talk to a lot of people and I, I get an opportunity to to get to know people and, and ask them about their lives. And in the last several months, I've even even asked pastor a few times, tell, shared a few stories of people I've run into. And people ask me really, really big questions once I start to know them. And, and they'll, they'll be struggling in their life, whether, uh, whether it's just family or it's just depression or they just don't know why they're struggling. They ask me, you know, what, you know, they, they share their story and, and I, I kind of feel helpless, as in, what can I say? What can I do? And, and I have to ask them the same question I ask myself, because I don't know the answer. And when I do want to know the answer, and people are important to me, is 
what do I say? What's the right answer? What's the right way we're to go about living our lives? And so I go back and I ask, I ask God. And I end up telling the people the, the same things. And, and when I have the opportunity and they are fellow believers, I, I have nothing to say but how is your walk with the Lord? How is your walk with the Lord? Well, should I be doing this or should I be doing that? Well, do you want the blessings of God in your life? Do you, want, do you want to enjoy the peace and the, uh, and the freedom from our sin that God promises us? We need to reevaluate our closeness with Christ. We need to know Him more closely. And even though most of these conversations end with no, no solution, no, no concrete path to follow, I go back and I ask God, you know, what is the answer? How do I know you more? How do, how, do I, how do I listen to the Spirit in my life more closely to know the direction and how to handle uh, day-to-day life? And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. But uh, let us not go any farther without going to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for another opportunity. We thank you for this building and the people you bring together. We thank you for the opportunity to open up our hearts and our lives to you. Lord, we ask that you speak to us directly. Lord, hear us. Hear our cries that we want to know you more closely. We want to know you better. Father, please direct all the words that come out of my mouth tonight, uh, that there'll be nothing but your truths for our edification. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. we shouldn't move forward either without getting to some scripture. So if you guys want to open up, we're going to spend the next 40 minutes in Psalms 19. Psalms 19. One of my favorite psalms. I'm not very good at memorizing scripture. Maybe I haven't put enough effort into it, but it is definitely a psalms that I, I know very well. Psalms 19, starting at verse 1. I'm going to read from verse 1 to verse 6, and then we'll dive into it a little bit. Psalms 19, verse 1, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. The line is gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. And them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber. And rejoiceth as a strong man to run a race. He's, his going forth is from the end of the heaven, and his circuit unto the ends of it. And there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. Now most of us can look at that and understand that God's goodness is proclaimed even through his creation. That even the heavens, will, looking at this a little closely, the heavens declare the glory of God. What is the glory of God? What is the glory of God? As I, I thought about the glory of God, it, you know, is, is the sum of all His perfections, is everything, all the reasons we need to praise Him. And I hope I, I, I teach at my home that every morning we have to get up and praise God just simply because He is holy and He is to be glorified and that His glory is all around us. But even the heavens, the actual, the actual tangible heavens that we see around us speak, declare of his glory. And the firmament, well, the tangible heavens, showeth all the works of his hands. Day unto day uttereth speech. Uttereth, all these these fancy words, I had to look this one up. 
but uttereth, utters speech. What is what? What happens every day that God's creation uttereth means to gush or can continually pour forth like a stream, never ending, always proclaiming, always there. Every day, night unto night, showeth his knowledge. There is no speech or language, but yet we can look around and see his glory everywhere. I think one of the ways that we hinder our walk in growing closer with God is we don't take the time and we don't acknowledge God's goodness that already surrounds us. We put our head down to what we call life here on this earth that is really supposed to be all about glorifying Him, yet we get so focused down on the things that we do day to day that we don't really grasp all of God's goodness that is already around us. We don't take the time to acknowledge it. And unfortunately, if we're not being aware of that God is already around us and, and His creation and not giving thanks for, for this, the life that He's already given us here, we're probably not seeing all the ways that God is acting directly and presently in your life. He is such a good God. I can't stop proclaiming. I, my, my little tiny mind has to wrap it around it. I, I was driving to Fallon one day, and I, and I said, it is God's goodness that I woke up this morning and my heart was beating. It is God's goodness that I have health, that I have a vehicle, that I have, that I have sunshine and light we, and a family. We, we take light for granted way too much. When's the last time we thank God for that and acknowledge? Now, I'm not talking that you know you don't have to embarrass yourself and go dancing through the streets every morning, but when's the, time, when's the last time you just said it out loud? You acknowledge His goodness every day surrounding us. And if we can't see this huge creation around us, we're going to struggle seeing it in our lives. And when we struggle seeing it in our lives, we're going, to, we're going to struggle to grow closer to Him, and we're going to struggle to know Him more. These are just a few ways I see on a daily basis God's goodness around me. And I, know, I realize that once I start focusing on His goodness around me, I start seeing it in my life. You know, we've all heard the saying, you don't know what you have until you lose it, or until it's gone, or until it's taken away, or, or however it ends. Unfortunately, by the time we lose everything we have here on this earth, it may be too late to acknowledge Christ and all His goodness. We don't want to wait. It's not, it's not such a minor thing or a minor thought that, oh yeah, that's a good idea, Lawrence. Maybe, maybe I'll try and get to that this week. God is a jealous God. He wants our attention. He wants, our, he wants to be our God. I'm so, you, know, you speak of it so often. God wants to be our God. He is our God. We, we need to take ownership of it, but also we need to acknowledge it. And it's not it's no different, you know, I, I, I'm married, not everybody in this room's married, but we have best friends and and you've spoke of it frequently, but you don't get to know people, you don't get close to people without acknowledging them and spending time with them and interacting with them, if nothing else, just sitting there and being in the presence of that person. And God is even more so. God's goodness is all around us and we're missing it. And because we keep our head down and maybe it's proverbial sand that we're not seeing His goodness, we're missing all the ways He's in our lives, and when we miss all the ways that He's in our lives, we're missing opportunities to praise Him. And Scripture is very clear that we're supposed to be praising Him all the time, rejoicing always. All these things continue to drive your heart and your mind towards the ways of God. And when you start to see God in every aspect of your life, 
you start to realize that he's always been there and that, that he wants to grow and you get to know him more. And he changes your heart along the way. I, I've mentioned before that I really enjoy imagining and thinking about heaven. I'm really excited about it. I see it as my reward one day. Now, I'm not in a rush. I'm not trying to leave anybody, but uh, I see it as my reward one day, and I'm excited to get there, and I've spent a lot of hours, and I enjoy music about that, sing about what heaven might be like, how refreshing, how full, how satisfying heaven will be. But I'm also, I'm also do a lot of painting, and, and I help people pick out paint colors and help people make decisions on what they want to do in their home. And one of the real popular ways that I, I use to help that is I'll find something that instead of finding three or four that are really, really close, I'll find a couple you might like and a couple that really contrast it. And what that contrast does is it, it really pops and, and it, it makes what you think you like really stand out and helps you see the difference between, between what you weren't sure of, if it was exactly what you want, or if it's, um, you know, or if it's completely off in the wrong area. But, you know, maybe we need to, t- to see and understand God's goodness in our lives and the glory of heaven around us. Maybe we need to contrast it with something opposite. And the only thing opposite of God's goodness being everywhere I could think of is hell. And I don't spend very much time imagining what hell's like. In fact, when I read through it in the scriptures, it's kind of unnerving. And I know I don't want that, and I know I don't want that for my family. And, and God says our hearts to be that we wish that for nobody. God wishes for everybody to be saved. But I think we need to spend a few moments thinking about it. In hell, there is no peace. There is no rest. There is no light. There, I mean, we can sit ourselves in a bad situation a lot of times and even be in a tough spot or be uncomfortable on a plane or on a, a long car ride somewhere, and you can at least be content. And you're not miserable. You're not happy, maybe, but uh, and even if it is miserable, you somewhat can settle in and just get through it. Hell's not going to be that way. It's going to be absent of God's goodness, and there's not going to be any contentment, any rest, any settling, and as I dwelled on that for a little bit, I, I don't know if anyone remembers Michael Collins, the astronaut. Maybe I, I like history and, and astronauts, so, and the kids were recently studying this, so I, I made them read up more on it. But Michael Collins, anybody know who Michael Collins, the astronaut, is? He was with, except for you guys over there. <laughs> he was with uh, a man named Neil and Buzz. He was the guy that everybody forgot. In fact, they call him the forgotten astronaut. He was the man in charge of flying the, the commanding uh, ship, Columbia, they called it, around the moon while the other two guys went down the moon and walked on the moon for the first time. Somebody had to be out there to pick him back up. They had to get back onto a ship that was going to take him back. He had a pretty important job of maintaining flight around that moon. I think he was almost a dozen plus trips around the moon by himself in a capsule about the size of a Volkswagen, small Volkswagen. And uh, we were reading upon his biography a little bit. Unfortunately, he passed away a couple of years ago. But it, it was said, or it was said and quoted of him that he said, when he went around the backside of the moon and saw the darkness being blotted out from the light, 
he wrote down that there was no earthly word for the black of the backside of the moon. And if it wasn't for the stars off in the distance, to be a contrast, he said there'd be no physical way to, have, to gain your spatial awareness, no self-presence of where you were at in space, just black. He said, and know what? He came back from that trip, and he said he didn't care to ever go back. He'd been to space multiple times already, but he said he didn't need to go back. He'd been there. He, 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 was, a, he was also a Christian. He loved God, and he decided after that he stopped being an astronaut, and he was going to be a... He's going to be a father, a grandfather, and he lived a long life to 90, I think it was. But when I heard that, and I heard his description of an un, there was no earthly word for blackness, it made me think of, wow, that must be, it's got to be something like what hell would be like. No light, no light. We are so dependent on light. God gave us light during the day. He gave us light at night. We've now made, man, when was the last time any of us can say we're in utter darkness? We have we can't experience that here on earth. The Bible says there's going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I mean, that's just pure agony. Pure agony. The opposite of God's goodness being somewhere. Just This earth is a sad and sick and dying place, but it is a good place simply because God exists here, and, he's, and it's His grace and mercy and His goodness in here. And we fail to acknowledge it, and we fail to see it, and we fail to give Him thanks on a regular basis for it. He is in our lives every day, despite our earthly experiences and despite the things that we're going through. One other thing Michael Collins wrote in his biography was, it was so black and so dark. He, He knew Christ. He knew he wasn't alone. But he had 48 minutes every time he went around. No radio communications blackness, just the stars off in the distance, and to keep focus, he wrote his children's names over and over again. That was his attachment back to some sort of reality. And he said every time he did go around the other side, he tried seeing Buzz and Neil down there, but he couldn't see him. But he was, he's known as the forgotten astronaut. God has not lost control of anything on this earth. We feel out of control sometimes. Our, the circumstances that we're going through feel out of control. But he has control of all things and everything in his life. He has goodness, his goodness in his fingers and intertwined into our lives. God is a good God regardless of any experience we go through here on earth. And we need to acknowledge that. And I like, we get a lot of good testimonies around here. God is in everything. You know, you say it's a God thing, it's a God thing, but, you know, I don't, we don't do it enough. I, I, know, I know, Mrs. Lynn, you've asked us a few times to share about our experience with our son David over here. And uh, he's, he's had his fair share of health issues, like so many of us. And he's given us some good scares, and we've had our share of hospital stays. And as a lot of you know, and I'd be happy to share more details, but I, I wasn't going to share all of it tonight. We had to spend uh, three weeks plus in Stanford a few years back. Now, praise God, five years ago. And um, David had complete kidney failure, and praise God, he's healthy as can be. His kidneys worked fine today. 
But so many things through that event, so many things through that event shaped, reshaped and grew my relationship with Christ. I, I haven't shared, in fact, I was, talking, I was talking to Nicole and said, you know, I actually haven't talked about this. I don't really like talking about or sharing about it. But it definitely reshaped how I see God in my life on a daily basis. Real, a real short version of where we were when we went there. The kids had been sick for a month. And then we thought they were getting better. And then they started getting sick again, but a lot worse. And through a lot of testing and two kids getting sick and two kids getting better, we thought we'll just stay home and the third one will eventually get better. But when the, when the hospital calls you and says, you need to have him here in five minutes. I said, I can't. I'll be there in an hour. And I said, that's unacceptable. We'll send an ambulance. I said, you don't get it. I'm an hour away. Need 15 minutes to throw everybody in and get there. Praise God for my rock, my foundation. As I grabbed my Bible and my boy, who was too sick to stand, and I threw him in the back of the car, and, and I went. Our whole trip, God provided our daily needs. Of course, we were praying for way more. We were praying for miracles. We were praying for absolute healing. We were praying to get out of there. And every day, we, w we went over there in a moment's notice in the middle of the night. Went to Stanford, California. We didn't go a day without food, lodging, excessive amounts of anything we needed, but only for the day. And every day, I assure you, I was crying out to God. There wasn't a, there wasn't a thing I could do to cure my son. God, even though God was providing my daily needs, He wasn't providing the miracle I was praying for. And we were there long enough that I prayed this and I prayed this and I was down to the hospital every day. And God grew my heart and I went from asking for a miracle every day to asking to see His goodness in the day. And I really grew from that. And I remind Him all the time that, and just like every one of you and every one of your children, God has a plan for Him and a purpose. And he's making a difference in the world already. Because even though we ultimately got what I would, what I feel is the best possible outcome for David's health, his, his kidneys came back to full functioning order. And you know, there's some other side effects. But even though we got that result and that miracle that I couldn't provide, I still know that I got a miracle that I didn't earn or deserve. God says He is enough. That I don't need my children and my wife to be happy and to know God. He is enough. It rearranged the way I see God and His goodness. God is good. And you're missing it, and you're missing it in your lives, and you're missing opportunities to praise God for it. 
next verse I want to read. We're going to move forward here. And it doesn't get any softer than this for me, unfortunately. God told me, Lawrence, you don't have an excuse for not seeing my goodness. You don't have an excuse. If you guys want to turn to Romans chapter 1, verse 18 through 20, we know this fairly well. Most of us know this. For the wrath of God, the wrath of God, who his displeasure, his vengeance, is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showeth it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. God is everywhere. He is relevant in everything. Let's we'll just uh, unpack this just lightly. I mean, we can go for a long, you know, the wrath of God. I don't want to be on that receiving end. But God has shown through the con- and, and the conscious of me- consciousnesses of men and through each one of us as His creation, He has put it in our hearts that that we know that His testimony that uh, we can attest to His innumerable. Blessings and the innumerable evidences that surround us on a daily basis. So even for those of us who don't have a walk with Christ who, and for the rest of the world who, who doesn't acknowledge Christ, there is innumerable amounts of evidence out there. And the harder the world tries to disprove the Bible, the more evidence they continue to find. God is saying that we have no excuse against the ungodliness in our lives that's in this world that's, that creeps into our even our, our Christian lives, living without reference or, uh, or reverence or proper feelings towards God. I don't know how to teach that very well, but I work really hard. That, that's what we do every morning. We have reverence. We praise God because it, He is to be honored and glorified in a right place of reverence and honor. Now, I know here Paul is speaking generally against all mankind in the Scripture, and he, he's warning, warning the Romans and, and their choice to ignore the God's goodness and, and the holiness of God. But if he's a general warning to everybody, how much so of a warning should this be to us as believers and followers of Christ and how we walk through our lives and we fail to acknowledge, acknowledge Him or glorify Him in the way that we should? <clears throat> It saddens me to think that maybe one day I'll stand before God and, and although he'll, I know He's promised me rewards and He's going to stand before me and say, Lawrence, you could have known me better. You could have known me more closely. And I'm, I'll probably say something dumb like, but how? And He's going to say, it was everywhere. I was everywhere. It was all around you. You missed it because you weren't looking. You missed it because you weren't seeking it. You missed it because you chose to only get to it when it was convenient. And that breaks my heart for me. Ah, oh, to stand before an almighty God and have no excuse. When I, when I said that, I thought, how many times have we said that to children? No excuse for your behavior. How many times have we said that about other adults' behavior? There was just no excuse for them to treat me that way. But man, when it comes to us, it, no excuse is a hard thing to swallow because we all want to be innocent. We all want to be justified. I learned this lesson. Funny, funny, funny story. I'll try not. Some of you know, and you mentioned a few times, I went to the Citadel. 
the military college of South Carolina. And I went to the military college because I was going to be a career officer in the military. And I was, I knew it. That's what I was going to be. I was going to fly in the Navy and I was going to do all that. And then the longer I stayed there, the longer my heart just went in a different direction. And if you want to hear more of that story, I could tell you more of that, but um, I would be in a totally different place had I followed through with that. I would not be here today, I'm sure of it. It was a 12-year commission I was going to get afterwards. And I, I chose to walk away from it. But here I am today with things I probably never would have had. But one thing they teach you there, you guys don't, maybe don't know anything about the Citadel, they, um, and it's changed. I was just recently back there, and they told me, Lawrence, it's changed even more from when you're there. It was predominantly an all-male school, and I was there right at the beginning of the era of the first females being there. So politics were getting involved really heavily. But there was still a lot of the old school mentality, and hazing was a problem there for a long time, and, and it, was a, it was a severe boot camp type first year you spend there. In fact, you go early before school starts so you can go and enjoy what they call Hell Week. And that's just a week of no sleep and people yelling at you 24 hours a day and in, in, a, in a place that you don't know. And uh, it was a lot of fun. But um, <laughs> somebody who, oh, it's Stephen, recently asked me some questions about it. And I, the more I told him, the more he's like, why? 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 What? <laughs> your first year there, you're not good enough to be anything. They shave your heads so you all look alike. You wear your clothes exactly the same so you all look alike. You're not privileged enough to walk on the sidewalks. You spend an entire year in South Carolina in the rain walking in the gutters in your leather shoes that you have to have shine for class. You're not good enough to walk on the sidewalk. And unfortunately, inside the barracks is a rectangular barracks, open uh, court in the middle. And so just a sidewalk, four stories tall, sidewalks, pillars, that opened up, all the rooms opened up to the, to the center of the building. In your first year there, you were only good enough to walk on a, a one-foot-wide piece of concrete all the way around the outside of the building. That's how you got to and from your room. That's how you got in and out of the, in and out of the building. And you lived according to your companies. It was an all-military-structured school. And so I actually went there on a music scholarship, so I was in the band. And the band, regimental band company, was not highly looked upon, just tradition. You were the weirdos of the school. <laughs> Usually got really poor treatment from the other surrounding companies there. So you tried your best to just stay in your little corner, especially as a first year there. They called you knobs, by the way. They called you knobs because you're all bald and look like a doorknob <laughs> on top of your head. But long story short, one day, I'm walking as fast as I can. You have to walk in attention, and I'm buzzing around my one-foot lane around the building trying to get to my room, and there's a trash can right in my path. And I don't think anything of it. I just step around that trash can, step over, back on my one side, and somebody saw me. And upperclassmen come raining down, stop me. What are you doing? You're not supposed to be on that side of the concrete. You're on the sidewalk. What are you doing there? Oh, the trash can was in my way. Oh, that's no excuse. There's no excuse for breaking the rules. Why'd you do that? Well, I was trying to get by. The trash can was in my way. No excuse. That was the answer you're supposed to always give. They made me go back, and they said, did you get permission to go by that trash can? No. No, sir. Well, sir, no, sir. I had to go back to the trash can. As top of my voice, ask the trash can. Sir, Mr. Trash Can, sir. Cadet Thompson. 
Cadet Private Thompson requesting permission to drive by. Sir. Of course, trash can doesn't respond. So they tell me maybe he can't hear me and I need to be louder. And this goes on for minutes and minutes. Pretty soon I'm there for like 15 minutes. I just want to get to my room. I said, nope, he won't give you permission. You got to go back. There's no excuse for crossing that line. Go back, go around the building. Take the long ways. 150 rooms and three other companies later, I spent, it took me a half hour to get back around to my room from all the attention I got from going around the building. It was a fun school. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> but what they were driving in there was there were rules and there were no excuse to break the rules. When we do this in our lives, we think it's not that bad. I needed to say that little, oh, I bent the truth there just to keep someone happy or I, or I didn't quite do what I should have done and no one, you know, it didn't hurt anybody. It didn't hurt anybody. And, and we do this all throughout the day that just stepping around that trash can, it wasn't going to hurt anybody. But God says, here's the line. We're to glorify him. We're supposed to acknowledge him. We're supposed to, we're supposed to seek him. And I don't want to get to heaven one day. And he's just going to say, no excuse. There's no excuse, Lawrence. You could have known me better. You could have known me more closely. Got a lot of stories like that from the Citadel. They got a... Yeah, and Stephen's like, why? Why would you do that? That's There's no excuse that we don't acknowledge God more in our lives. So that just comes full circle. Well, how do we how do we seek God? How do we seek Him better? How do we look for Him better? How do we how do we go and and, and know God? How do we grow the Spirit's movement in our lives? The Holy Spirit is alive and working in you, and He wants to use you. God has a story. It's in your story. I like that song from Matthew West. I, I don't remember the lyrics, but the, is God is in your story or or something like that, but um, we we quench the spirit all the time in our lives because we don't acknowledge it. We don't we don't spend time with God, asking God to hear from God, to know Him more closely. No excuse is a hard idea for me to swallow. I I just don't want to do that. Sometimes I even I, I'm thinking, how do I know God better? And I want to spend more time with Him. Of course. Pastor Harris tells us all the time, you know, we need to spend more time in the Word. We need to spend more time in prayer. And I do, I do pray a lot. I feel like I pray a lot. I like talking to God. I feel like He's such, such a good outlet for me to pray to God all the time. Well, then one day I was asking God, Holy Spirit, please, you know, tell me, teach, you know, what do you want me to say? Use me. Uh, speak through me. And he, and he said, I just got this thought in my mind that, wow, I seem to do all the talking in the relationship with God. <laughs> I do all this praying. I ask for all these things. I do everything else. And when's the last time you listened? Listen through reading the Word. I'm probably guilty. I know I'm guilty. I pray a lot more than I read God's Word. Well, praying's easy. I can do it everywhere all the time. But uh, still, it's that much more that important that we spend just as much, if not more, time in God's Word, listening to His words. He's speaking. the The Bible is God's Word. He is speaking to it. I I, I teach that all the time. Is that's God talking directly to you and to you. When's the last time we actually read it, took it in, and listened? Holy Spirit, teach me. Instead, I spend the whole time praying about what I want and what I want to hear and how I want that fixed. And 
and, and everything else. And amen, I'm good. I had my time for the day, my devotion for the day. Right? Oops. I didn't actually spend time with God listening to him. Back to Psalms 19. We're going to finish up Psalms 19. Psalms 19, we read 1 through 6. We're going to read now 7 through 14. This is how, this just wraps it up for me on, on why and how we should be glorifying God more in our lives. Psalms 19, verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than the honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned. And in keeping of them there is great reward. I get stuck on that every time I read that. There is great reward. I like rewards. I don't know about you. We all like a tax return. We all like, you know, a prize. We all like something. But we don't I don't think we focus enough on the great rewards God has for us that we're missing out on. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright, and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, I know you guys all know it, be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. The words of my thoughts and the words of my thoughts all day, every day. Don't let tomorrow go by and by the end of the day think, wow, I just now started thinking of God. Man, how the opportunities you missed through a whole day to give God glory, to talk to Him. And I know there's more than one way to study the Bible, and I know, I know sometimes teaching from the pulpit is um, more factual and in-depth uh, regarding... Um, definitions and context of words and, and scriptures and sometimes the message is more regarding the spiritual fact that we're just sinners in need of grace you know we need both we need both of those it's important to have both of that study it and you know today in today's world you were sharing a book a couple weeks ago in ways we can learn more about the bible times and and there's just so many resources out there that we can we can pull on now and understand the different languages well i'm telling you people are being saved a lot longer and long before all these books and resources were out there that's not the in-depth growing that god is always looking from us now we're supposed to we have these resources we should be using them we should be growing we should be seeking god in every way possible that is at our, uh, at our means. But let me put something out there for us all to ponder and then we'll finish up. We can all know the facts and context around a scripture. We can be momentarily wowed for some new to us revelation. But if you're not seeking and allowing the Holy Spirit to work in your life and to grow you closer to God, and you're not allowing that to penetrate and change your behavior and your heart and your relationships, ultimately, this your study will be no profit for your soul. There are secular scholars and atheists out there that know way more or well-versed in the Scripture than, than I am. I know that. But the Bible is very clear that Satan himself acknowledges that Jesus Christ is Lord, and he knows all the Scriptures too. So just spending all our time memorizing scripture and making sure we act the part beware 
Beware. There's no excuse. It's all around us. No excuse. I think I'm going to stop here. But I want to I want to share one of the scripture. I know I didn't give this to you, Chris, but you know I'm just going to read it because this is this was a, just as good a, a, of a, a warning and, a, and a, an encouragement then as it is now. First Thessalonians 5:14. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them, they that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient to all men. Please, that's me. You got to be patient to me, and see that none. None render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Here it is. Here's the map to growing closer to God. Here's the map to understanding having a more closer relationship with Christ. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Why? The next line, we stop there too often. Because when we don't do that, we quench the Spirit. It says, verse 19, quench not the Spirit. Listen, act on that. Despise not prophesyings, prove all things, hold fast that which is good, abstain from all appearances of evil, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let that be our prayer and anthem tonight. We will seek God, know Him, become more like Him. Now I, I feel kind of I feel all the time that you guys are such an amazing family, church family, and I can stand up here and share what's happening in my heart and share how God's growing. And and sometimes I don't know I, I don't think I know absolutely all of you, and for anyone else out there listening, but I'm I'm sure to the non-believer this sounds crazy, and it probably should. It's okay though, because all that you're any non-believer in here or any of your non-believing family or any of the non-believing friends out there, the only thing they're not understanding is that there is peace, there is freedom from sin, there is joy, and the confidence of eternal life with Christ is the only thing they're not understanding. Fortunately, all of those answers and all of that's wrapped up in the pages of God's Word and He's put it right there in front of us and put it so that we could all understand it. And as I go through Fernley and I work with different people and I hear their stories and, I, and I'm saddened by their, their current condition of life, I can't help but sit across from most of the time and think their walk with Christ is suffering. And I usually walk away and say, and if I'm going to be better, if I'm going to be more helpful to that person, my walk with Christ needs to improve. So this is not only for the unbeliever, but for us Christians and for all those unbelievers around you that we pray for so often. We have a Wednesday night prayer list, pretty lengthy for unbelievers. You all have unbe- you know, family members who don't know Christ. The more we can walk with Him, the more closely we can be with Him, the more glory, the glory of God is going to shine from us. The easier it's going to be to share. The more the joy of the Lord is going to come out of us unhidden. I appreciate the time to come up here and share. I'm going to, you know, Maya, close us in prayer. All right.